Welcome to the Empire Files podcast. This is your host, Abby Martin. This is the audio of our show. You can watch the episodes on our YouTube channel or at theempirefiles.tv. Abby Martin with your Empire Update, wrapping up the past week of U.S. imperialism. On November 10th, in another disturbing development in the U.S.-backed genocide in Yemen, the Trump administration announced a massive sale of over $23 billion worth of weapons to the United Arab Emirates. The UAE, a dictatorial monarchy long aligned with the United States, has come under intense criticism in recent years for its role in the catastrophic war in Yemen. Giving another cash injection to Lockheed Martin and General Atomics, the sale includes up to 50 F-35 fighter jets and as many as 18 killer drones. The arms sale to the UAE is widely seen as a payoff in return for the kingdom signing an agreement that normalized relations with Israel. Of course, this is touted by Trump as a step towards peace in the Middle East, when it's really just another gift to Israel further isolating Palestine from its former political allies. The UAE is also an avowed enemy of Iran, giving this weapons sale the additional function of ratcheting up U.S.-led pressure against the embattled country. In another update, the Trump administration has announced it will be imposing new sanctions against Iran every week until his term ends to try to sabotage any renegotiation of the nuclear deal under a Biden administration. This week's sanctions target four individuals and six Iranian companies aimed at, quote, destabilizing military capabilities under the false pretense that Iran poses the biggest threat to the Middle East. Hypocritical coming from the U.S. empire, which in the last 15 years has bombed five countries in the region and had a hand in conflicts that claimed over a million lives. This is on top of the more than 800 sanctions that Trump has put on Iran since taking office upending any effort for diplomacy. The United States and Iran came to the brink of an all-out war earlier this year following the U.S. assassination of top Iranian military general Soleimani. While Trump, for some reason, gets credit for not starting any new wars, the only reason this war crime didn't lead to a major conflict is because Iran refused to take the bait. On November 9th, A major shakeup took place within the top ranks of the Pentagon when Trump fired Defense Secretary Mark Esper. Now, this is being widely declared by both Trump supporters and opponents, by liberal and right-wing media, corporate and alternative media alike, that Trump did this because he is finally going to end the war in Afghanistan, that he's removing supposed barriers to withdrawal and replacing them with anti-occupation figures. Trump replaced Raytheon lobbyist Esper with Christopher Miller, who, far from a political outsider, already runs the Pentagon's so-called counterterrorism operations. But in Miller's first memo to the military published November 13th, he wrote of Afghanistan, quote, This war isn't over. We must avoid our past strategic error of failing to see the fight through the finish. And that the Pentagon, under his temporary leadership, quote, remains committed to finishing the war that al-Qaeda brought to our shores in 2001. Huh. Doesn't exactly sound like there's going to be a rapid end to the war in the next two months. In fact, it sounds exactly like what we've been hearing from Pentagon leadership for 20 years now. Others cite the appointment of Miller's chief advisor, Colonel Douglas McGregor, who has advocated a full withdrawal from Afghanistan. But McGregor was not appointed by Trump. 
a central advisor to Trump on foreign policy, General Jack Keane, responded to this flurry of speculation on November 12th. I mean, this is another one of these stories that just gets completely out of hand. Why are we transferring what McGregor thinks to a possibility what the president is thinking? I know for a fact that they've gone through a deliberate process again today with the total national security team in place to discuss our troop commitments. There's no change in any of those plans. We are committed with modest forces in Iraq, we are committed with modest forces in Syria, and we are committed to a time-place time withdrawal out of Afghanistan based on the conditions that are established there. Of course, a rapid, complete withdrawal in the next two months would be a great move. But I would hope people would have learned by now that it doesn't matter what breadcrumbs get dropped from the White House or from Trump himself, what matters is his actions. Top Pentagon officials say they have not been ordered to pull all troops from Afghanistan, nor has Trump ever given that order through his entire term. Remember, there is absolutely nothing stopping Trump from ending the war, nor was there anything stopping him the past four years. As commander-in-chief, the Pentagon is subordinate to his orders. With the flick of a wrist, he could demand all troops be brought home from anywhere at any time. Sure, you can speculate that the deep state would try to stop him in Afghanistan, but he's never even given them the chance. All in all, he's just reduced the troops he inherited in Afghanistan by a meager 4,000 since taking office. Pathetic. So for now, this Pentagon shakeup doesn't mean much other than heads rolling in the wake of Trump's loss. Look, I'll believe it's anything more when Trump actually gives the order, which again, only he can do at any time. Also on November 9th, the United Nations Human Rights Council heard a report from the United States. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo issued a statement claiming that the U.S., quote, has been and always will be a leader in transparent, rights-respecting governance. Funny claim for a country that has literally subverted the human rights of tens of millions of people around the world at the whim of U.S. imperialism. The U.S. government has installed some of the most brutal regimes in history and continues to prop up the worst human rights violators in the world. Pompeo went on to claim that, quote, respect for human rights is intrinsic to our national identity, as reflected in our own founding documents. In reality, the founding documents of the United States sanctioned the institution of slavery and genocide against Native people and its own population is routinely denied the economic and social rights enshrined in the UN's Declaration of Human Rights. This is the doublespeak propaganda game of the US empire. While they engage in all the criminal actions we've outlined in just one week, they have the audacity to stand before the world pretending to do the opposite. Thank you for listening to our Empire Files podcast. Help keep us independent and ad-free at patreon.com slash empirefiles. And be sure to catch our newest episodes by subscribing to our YouTube channel. 